0: Hey, Blunders, on this week's show, Tom Holland is confirmed to return to the MCU. Benedict Cumberbatch has The Power of the Dog on Netflix. And Silent Night director Camille Griffin joins the show as our guest.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership
0: Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 193 of Real Blend, a podcast that we want to dedicate to our friend and former colleague, James Rocky. I will explain later on in the show uh, what that means, but a close friend of all of ours passed, and we're going to get into some stories about him and celebrate Uh, his life so more on that in a second my name is sean o'connell the managing editor here at cinema blend joined as always by jake hamilton of fox 32 in chicago hello jakey
3: my friend uh, i'm really glad that we are doing that i think that's very cool i'm excited to uh, excited to to talk about the great james rocky
0: and uh kevin mccarthy of fox 5 in washington dc hi kev
3: yeah, hey, good to see you guys always. I love you
4: guys obviously. Um Rocky uh I'm excited to talk about him as well because he was one of the first people that was like super nice to me when I first started. So yes. uh, we'll we'll dive into that. He uh he was a, a very kind gentleman.
0: A life uh worth celebrating for sure. But we have a fun show uh in addition to that. Uh, we're going to be talking about Tom Holland and his quote-unquote confirmation to return to the MCU. Benedict Cumberbatch's the power of the dog hits Netflix, and we don't agree on that movie, uh, which we will talk about in a little bit. And then our guest this week is Camille Griffin, uh, who wrote and directed a film called Silent Night. Uh, not really a Christmas movie. It I absolutely I is of, a Christmas movie. It's kind of a Christmas movie. It absolutely movie. is a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's going to be a tough movie to talk about because there's a, there's a couple of things that we can't reveal about that film. But she's a terrific interview, and then at the end of that interview uh there's a really really fun cameo that none of us were expecting and um it's
4: one of my favorite moments that we've had in an interview and (laughs) and and because of who the cameo is yeah um it was even more special because it could have been one of three people and it it happened to be the one
5: (laughs) (laughs) so
0: i would i'd recommend if you're listening to this in some fashion uh over to the YouTube version at some point. Uh, it's housekeeping. Like I said, if you're listening to us somewhere, but you would rather watch us go through the show, uh, go to go to YouTube, excuse me, where we have a channel. Uh, and give us a subscription. YouTube.com backslash RealBlendPremium. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Real Blend podcast. I'll get to the premium in a second. Uh, of course, we are available every place that you get your audio podcast needs met. Have you signed up? For Real Blend Premium, uh, when you do that, you get an ad-free version of the show, you get an extra segment every single week that we drop on Mondays, and then a newsletter that I write. And uh, I'm going to do something fun for the end of the year as we get there. So check the descriptions of wherever you're listening to the show and find out how to sign up for Real blend Premium. We also play a lot of games. We're going to be playing a game on the next one, uh, which we'll explain to you in a second. want to out Gabe Kovach as well, too, who's doing a ton of work behind the screens, this, uh, the scenes, and the screens. And the screens. Hi, Gabe. Yeah.
6: We all work on screens now. so Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes we
0: do. Uh, there, Okay, so the poll this week. It's traditional. We're going into a new month. I want to ask everybody what they're looking forward to in December. I suggested leaving a title off, but I got voted down by everybody. <laughs> um, so for December, we have... Uh, and, Jake, I'll go to you. Matrix Resurrections, Spider-Man No Way Home, West Side Story, or Other...
4: And the question being, which December release are you most looking forward to? Most
0: looking forward to, correct. Okay. Yes. Where do you think the people went? It's gotta be Spider-Man. Yeah, they went Spider-Man, 76%. That's why I was going to say, leave Spider-Man out, and maybe we'll have a little bit more of an interesting poll, All but right, well, you guys what are the, guys What do the right? other two do? Resurrections, 17%. West Side Story, 3%. And Other, 4%. Before those reviews dropped, though. It was before the reviews dropped, but let's talk about... Can we talk about that just for a hot second? Yep. I mean, obviously, everyone's anticipating Spider-Man, and that's going to be... like The pre-sale numbers are off the charts, and it's going to be a ginormous blockbuster. I still fear that the West Side Story audience is not as big as people anticipate it to be.
3: I, I don't know what <laughs> the expectations are. I do feel like... what can, well, I think what concerns me about West Side Story is... People seem to be aware that it exists. Sure. Um, and, I, and and we've been talking a lot about it lately because we just did the junket and, and we, we saw the film. Um, and so whenever I talk about it with people, they they know it's a thing, but the question I get a lot is, wait, when does it come out? Okay. And that's not good for a movie that comes out in nine days.
4: Okay. Also, one of the... So it's interesting. Like, so, I mean, the the, the embargo socially has lifted, and I believe by the time this opens this runs on friday the review embargo will have lifted um the film's a masterpiece Mm. um and we'll dive into that next week and talk about why um in terms of like anticipation in box office though One of the hesitations a lot of people have going into West Side Story that people are like questioning is like you know because people love the sixty one version and you know I think it won Best Picture right I think it won ten Oscars or something eleven yeah Um, and uh, so people are like hesitant about that but then you know you add the Spielberg factor um, which you know when when we get into the review next week this is this is a very different film and I actually would argue it's better than the sixty one film but Mm. that's a whole other conversation but. In terms of, um, I'm thinking of West Side Story and, I, and I'm only comparing it in, for this reason for audience. No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Um, considerably, I thought, underperformed for what it should have been considering it was Bond's last. I mean, it did very well, obviously, overall worldwide, but its yeah. opening weekend in the US wasn't as big as like Shang-Chi or or Venom 2. or um, And one of the things I think we deduced from that conversation was Younger audiences are going to the movie theaters and mm-hmm. older audiences seem to be staying home. My parents uh, are in their 60s. They have refused to go to the movies. So okay. they wait. They they've waited for no time to die to hit uh, VOD or whatever. Mm-hmm. The on demand iTunes recommended for twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, Obviously, they have a son who's very vocal about going to the theaters, but they also don't want to you know they risk their lives in in their in their minds your is, brother's is there...
0: really vocal about the theaters good for him um,
4: no, no, no. <laughs> but in all honesty like you know um you know that is a real it's still a thing and obviously there's a new variant now so it, there's a lot of questions in terms of that i think west side story falls into a category that pitches towards an older audience
5: mm-hmm.
4: um and so that's the worry i have about west side story is that like the people who are going to go see west side story is, I mean, I'm I'm 37, I love the film, but I fear that even there's, there, I, fe- I don't know, do you guys agree with me that Weston's story well, is probably an older audience?
0: No, it's definitely an older audience. And I kind of think that it's not gonna have a big opening weekend, but if they're really smart, they'll keep it in theaters for a long run. Yeah. Because if it picks up various uh, critics groups' recognitions- Which it will. Yes, then that will motivate more people who might have been on the fence, who weren't going to go opening weekend. It's not, it doesn't feel like an opening weekend type movie for casual audiences, you know, yeah. for even people who don't care that it's a Spielberg movie. Yeah,
4: I also think the musical thing is interesting because, like, In the Heights didn't do well, Um, and I'm not, I'm not comparing In the Heights to West Side Story, but HBO you know, Max, HBO, HBO Max, Max but still, it still didn't perform um, right. in theaters. Um, yeah. I mean, we've, we've, had, we've had situations where films have performed in theaters while also simultaneously having a streaming release. Um, Dear Evan but Hansen struggled.
3: It, yeah. But yeah. is this one of those movies that, um, you know, kind of skews older and maybe it doesn't have a massive opening, but the audience turns out over the yeah. Christmas holiday? That's what
4: Sean was just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, literally, like, like, that's probably what will happen. I mean, like, I'm telling you right now, I think everybody going into West Side Story has a hesitation, right? Because it's like it's it's a a story we all know. It's it's a story that we we have known for all of our lives. And there was a film in 61 that won 10 Oscars. So like and so like that's to me. I also don't know if a lot of people know Spielberg directed it. Like I've been talking to people. I've literally said, "Hey, the new so? West Oh yeah, I've said like, "Hey, is the new West Side Story movie coming out?" Like, like a who made it? like Spielberg, Spielberg? Really, he made he made he made a musical outside
0: like, of our audience. Our, yeah, audience, our like, audience,
4: knows. Yeah. But like you know, it, it, but it, it, I hope people see it. It's a masterpiece, hmm. and I, please go see it. It's I do amazing. want to mention
6: for context, um, because we we talk about In the Heights, which is a recent example, but a different example with the HBO Max stuff. La La Land made almost a half a billion dollars. As a reminder, oh, worldwide. Wow.
2: Okay. Uh, so La La Land, I, yeah. I don't want to
6: detract from the musical. So I do agree that musicals are hard sell. Um, but I just wanted to I wanted to give a little bit more context to that of like they have they can be very successful.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't want to also the fact like there's a strong oh, yeah. Broadway crowd Huge. that is also going to show up for the actors who are cast in this yeah. movie. Yeah. No question. Um,
4: and I hope I want it to do well. I mean, it, yeah. th- this conversation is purely about that poll we just did where
3: 3% of our audience yeah picked Wested story Back up there. just lately our <laughs> box office predictions have sucked terrible so but it's going to make a billion dollars based on this conversation alone <laughs> but we
4: know no way home's going to have a bigger box office we just know that um For sure. so it's For sure. but you know i i, I hope people cuz i've heard a lot of hesitation about that story i hope people know that it is amazing <laughs> okay well yeah
0: uh we'll continue to talk about side story as it goes into theaters on the 10th uh and the guys can tell their very fun uh junket stories for that um but in the meantime we have an interview that uh is coming up for a movie called silent night starring keira knightley and matthew good and it is directed by camille griffin and so she joined us on the show to talk about uh her holiday film and bring it to the festivals and the takeaway from all of that. And the fun of shooting uh, a film in COVID, as the UK was shutting down. I think you guys are going to like this conversation a lot. This is uh, Camille Griffin talking Silent Night on the Ribblin Podcast.
7: Gabriel's gone. What happened to him?
0: He was our producer. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's the s- man behind the curtain. He's our Wizard of Oz. Uh, and
7: yeah, he knows. He knows when to step back into the shadows. Yeah, yeah. and Quentin when when
4: Tarantino yeah. is a huge fan of Gabe. By the way, it's true. <laughs> like he's yeah, yeah. He's a big Aww. fan base. Oh, I'm sorry
7: I didn't get to see. You. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Camille,
3: we are uh, the Real Blend Podcast. We are a filmmakers-focused podcast, and so please feel free to get as as nerdy and geeky as, as you want. I'm Jake, Kevin, Sean. We have a thousand questions for you, so seriously, thank you for taking the time, and, and we're just going to jump into it. Um, cool. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I pressed play on this film uh, without having watched a trailer, without looking up a synopsis, without really knowing what it was about, and it was such an incredible, organic, unique experience slowly trying to figure out what this film was going to be. And then once the realization happens and you realize what the film is, it hits you like a wrecking ball. Like it's just, it's just a sledgehammer. I'm just sort of curious. Obviously, as a filmmaker, you got to put stuff in the trailer. You got to tell people what the film is about. But is there any part of you as a storyteller that would just love for people to press play and watch it blindly?
7: Um, Matthew Vaughan, our producer, when he, um, when he came on board at the beginning, he definitely wanted people to, to he wanted, his idea was to market the film that they everyone thought they were going to watch a a Love Actually type movie, Christmas movie. And and I I remember sitting there nervously going, you can't do that. You can't do that to people. Um, So I think, I think you guys had a blessed experience. I mean, I don't know if it's blessed. That's the wrong thing to say. I think you had a unique experience because uh, the film was going out through festivals and through links. And I actually, and obviously we had no idea that there would be a pandemic. That was definitely not part of the plan. and, And I, and I, And I am torn between wanting to talk and and make a disturbing film without actually disturbing an audience. But I don't, I don't, I'm grateful that you had that experience and it didn't uh, destroy you, but I don't want to hurt uh, already traumatized people. But obviously I did want to traumatize people with the film, but not traumatize traumatized people. (laughs) Um, So yeah, wouldn't that be great, but the world's changed. And, uh, but that definitely was something Matthew always intended, but I'm, so I was a bit like, I think we should tell people. I'm a bit more cowardly about it because um, there's so much disturbing material on screen, which I'm really proud of, but also I'm a little bit ashamed because I'm like, oh God, yeah,
0: you just want those audience scores to be uh, Fs on the way
7: out. <laughs> I, I mean, I've read I've read everything that everyone's written, and I I can't carry on because I I was saying to someone earlier, it's like. Not to do myself a disservice, but it's that awful feeling when you're young and you have a really bad one like Stan. You're like, oh, I feel a bit sullied and dirty now. Then, sorry, that's oh. what that's what reading all the comments are like.
0: You feel go away, go yeah. Ugh, yuck. Ugh. Well, um, <laughs> well you have um, three three fans on this show right okay, here. Okay, so. well, thank you, thank <laughs> you. So we spoke um, in Toronto when when the film was playing up there at the festival. I know and I
7: recognize I, you because I'm looking at you and I'm like, why do I know Sean?
0: Yes, you uh, you commented about my Marvel posters over the back because yes. Of, uh, it. Ben's work on it. yes we did we had we had a nice conversation and you had uh, Kira and Lily, Lily were both in the in the room with you yeah nice to see you again and nice to see you also thanks sir taking the time and Kira mentioned that uh, you guys were absolutely one of the last people to to finish filming before all the COVID protocols snapped mm-hmm. down and we didn't get to elaborate on that because filmmaking is impossible as it is you're always racing a clock but but with yeah. those extra uh, mandates coming down did it affect how much you were able to film? Did you have to really make adjustments as you were running down to the to the wire?
7: Well, when we started filming in February, um, you know, there was this story of uh, COVID in Wuhan and my husband was obsessively reading about it. And I was like, it's okay. I mean, it's not okay. It's obviously really not okay, but it's not going to come here. You know, I, I, I mean, I remember being deeply affected by Ebola and being very, very upset for people and being frightened. And then it didn't travel as far as we thought it might. Um, and not to do not to undermine anyone's experience. I mean, it's hell, right? But we didn't think it was going to threaten um, England or the rest of the world. And then so it did. And then, and then I couldn't uh, pay enough attention to it because I had to make a movie. And then slowly, as the news was coming out, and we were carried on off, we we had three and a half week shoot. We were supposed to have a four week shoot. And 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 then the borders were shutting, and people needed to travel, and, and Annabelle had to get back, and Lily Rose had to go to France. Well, so I was a bit like, what are we doing? I mean, is this is this appropriate? Is this right to be making a film when uh, every, every other country in the world shut down, apart from our, our our daft government? I mean, I think you had a particularly daft government, but we had an even worse daft government. <laughs> um, so we did we did wrap early, and we did we lost uh, with their stuff we didn't get, and we revisited it in the summer, and then and then we Matthew um, wanted to tag on the Christmas sweater song, so we shot this opening sequence that we hadn't originally shot and. Lily Rose's story was changed, so there were things that oh wow that we definitely didn't have. And then, how do you then revisit those that material when you know what's going on in the world? So it it, it definitely affected it, and I definitely remember at some point going, "Am I going to be this narcissistic filmmaker and go fuck everyone? Let's just finish the movie." Excuse <laughs> my language, um, but I couldn't. I, uh, a bit like when you were asking about the whole trailer and the um how much you reveal, I was like a little bit like I'm courageous in the material, but I'm also a bit uh, also nervous to, that people are okay. Um, sure. Yeah.
4: I was I a very, is, I'm, I'm fascinated in the idea of like having to stop shooting and then picking back up like in, in months later. Right. And the idea of what you do with your cast to get them back into that mindset. Um, like, do you like if you're if you're months out from like a shoot you already did, do you then show the scenes again to your cast to get them back in there? How do you mentally get them back into the, to the character?
7: Well, Luckily, luckily, I like to think that the cast believed in the project and, and, and liked me and, and the rest of each other enough that they cared enough to, to come back, you know, and yeah. that, that costs a lot of money, too. Uh, we probably spent more money, maybe, I don't know for a fact, but I think a big part of our budget was having to pick up these scenes, which cost much more than they should have cost because people are travelling during COVID and there's the borders are shut. So uh, Luckily, I think the actors believed enough in the project that they were prepared to come, but we had to have certain, like you said, certain protocols in place. But... Um, I think if I'd been a different filmmaker, they wouldn't have showed up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I and I think they would believe that they'd done something a little bit different. But it was um, there were two things. It was like how what material do we get and how do we and then how do you weave in a dreadful Christmas song, which is I mean I love the Christmas song and I hate it. You know what I mean? Like how do I then make this part of the movie? And and I think you know Matthew and and thank goodness to Bublé because he's he's a, like another. I don't want to say he's a parody because he's a brilliant in what he does, but he, he he's, he's, he's easy to parody a Christmas song when you have Bublé lending himself to it. Right. So yeah. so there were lots of elements where you're like, okay, well, how can we take all these new elements and, and, and make them really work for the film? And, and what are we risking here? And how do we take care of people at the same time? So yeah, I don't know if that answers that question.
3: It was just interesting. I, just, I find that so interesting. Um, I yeah. want to talk about uh, working with the kids, and 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 less about your own personal connection to them, but more about the fact that these kids have to one say a lot of words that kids that age are not saying, um, and also tackle very difficult, heavy ideas and stay in that mindset. And obviously, they're not infants, and they are professional actors. But these are often these are really things that kids that age really aren't thinking about. I'm just sort of curious what kind of conversations you you have with them off camera. To sort of kind of get them in that place and more importantly maybe even get them out of that place
7: so do you know that the boys are mine did you know yes. that? yes yes three yeah, three, okay.
3: three yeah yeah
7: yeah there's three of them um so okay first of all the swearing we say swearing i think you say cursing <laughs> I, I was just saying to someone earlier when i saw the film in toronto i was like oh my god there's so much cursing what have i done what have i done <laughs> uh, because in the uk we do we swear a lot and i and and it was only when I was watching it with a, with, a, with a different audience, because I, I hadn't seen the film with an audience. That was the first time I saw the film with an audience was in Toronto. And I was like, this is really shocking. And we'd also cut half of it out. Um, but my kids, unfortunately, they curse. I mean, not nearly as much as that. And they don't use the C word, just as Kira said. I hope you didn't use the C word. Because um, um, that is, uh, that's, that's a no-go. Is that but very unfortunately- British?
0: Is that very British though?
7: The C word, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
7: The F word's like, just like a, a word that just is in the general vocabulary yeah sure unless you're talking to the queen or the headmaster or whatever then you try to <laughs> right. but um but uh and and i got to a point where I, unfortunately i i swore as a child and then i stopped swearing and then i tried to stop my kids swearing and then we went on the set of jojo rabbit and that completely reversed everything because they were all swearing and then i was like <laughs> okay, i've lost it now but um so I think I think I went overboard on that. But the idea was that they had a special privileges because it was the end of the world and and, and kids like to swear. Right. And, and also my kids aren't allowed to drink Coca-Cola. But it was like they're allowed to swear and drink Coca-Cola. So that was kind of two of the kind of special occasion thing. And then the question of how to have the kids feel safe, I think is important because we did meet other kids. And uh, obviously, Roman is a professional actor and um, Davida is the little sister of Thomas and Mackenzie, so she's her parents are both filmmakers and she's, she's had that experience with her sister. And the boys have become friends on JoJo. And she's talented, they're a very talented family. And I, and I knew that everyone was gonna be really mean to Kitty. So I thought, well, I need a kid that's not gonna crumble and be destroyed by bullying of her character. And I did meet other children and, and I didn't think they were gonna cope. But I knew David would be fine, because also what you probably know, actually I'm sure you know, is that when you're on set making a movie, it's fun. I mean, the scene where Roman's on the bed, not to give a spoiler, but that was hilarious. We did 20, we couldn't stop laughing. I mean, it was a lot of fun shooting that shot. But I'm not, I don't want to undermine the, the effect it has, but you're like, come on, Roman, like, you know, and and I can, and he would be like, stop laughing, I can't concentrate on
5: laughing. Um, but
7: the point is, if we can't have these conversations, I don't actively, I think what I'm putting on screen is that, uh, I, I'm not saying, I'm saying that as parents, I don't know if you're parents, but the greatest gift I think you can say as a parent is to tell your children that you don't always know what you're doing and you make mistakes and that we have to be uh, responsible for our mistakes. So my children have been brought up by, in a chaotic household, semi dysfunctional, but there's a lot of love and a commitment. And, uh, and I definitely don't think it's the way that everyone should do it, but it's the way we've done it. So they know that those conversations are safe to have, right? But I do believe that uh, when we're living in a privileged world, that there are people who definitely don't have the same privileges, and I care about that. And um, so, is it maybe? It was it? Uh, I don't know. Was it immoral to put my kids in that kind of film? I think it might have been immoral to put other people's kids in it. And I'm not saying because they're mine, I had permission to do that to them, but I knew that they'd be okay and they'd be safe.
3: Sure, that makes sense. And they, Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Sorry, that was a
0: long-winded answer. No. That was, no. Oh, that was fascinating. That's, we that's great. It. Thank uh, you. Um, so uh it, building off of the idea of conversations in the family i want to know what happened uh when you told ben he wasn't going to be your dp
7: oh no so um <laughs> so ben didn't want to shoot the movie right he was like i am not working because we worked with each other years ago i used to be one of his camera assistants i we met at work because i was a, a clapper loader for 13 years i used mm-hmm. to load film magazines and, oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so they, cool. That's how old I am. They still use film when I was working. Uh, oh, um, I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, for years I had like recurring horror dreams about exposing film, uh, film mags. Um, oh, anyway, so and uh, when we worked together, ben, at one point Ben said to me, we're going to have to start working together. You're not very polite to me on, in front of the crew. And I was like, oh, okay, I understand. Okay. Um, I would have loved Ben to shoot it he didn't want to shoot it. But Ben had uh, like his right hand man who he'd, who he'd brought up with him in the- Sam Redden, yeah.
5: yeah.
7: Yeah, and Sam I'd known for years. And actually Sam and I used to be assistants at the same time, we used to compete for the same jobs. And I love Sam and I think, I also knew as a, in the camera department that DPs don't always listen to directors. And I don't mean that horribly. Ben would argue other, otherwise. <laughs> but um, you, I think as a director, you have to get your camera team on side pretty quick, right? Uh, so I knew that whoever was going to shoot the movie, uh, needed to trust me or believe in what I had to say and listen. And also because I'd spent years in the camera, I had, I have an opinion. I have a visual uh, opinion, I have a, you know? So, so what Ben was bullied into, not by me, but by Matthew, um, was to be there to godparent the shoot, okay. huh. to mentor the shoot. Um, to make sure, you know, he knew we knew what we were doing, but just to be like, yeah, Ben, it's a, it's your wife's most movie. Go and help. So uh, <laughs> he operated second camera. Okay. And, and he and he 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 sat in the uh, DIT room and threw a few, you know, Sam, you yeah, know, bring it up a bit, turn up, you know, whatever. Um, and then he'd come up to me and go, I don't think you should. I'm like, I'm not listening to you. What do you think, Sam? So there was a lot of that going on. We were really lucky. Yeah.
4: It's almost like the reverse of Guardians, right? Because then Ben shot Guardians, but Sam was the camera operator. And then it was kind yes. of, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> going back to the family aspect, uh, I found this really interesting because you live together so I was wondering like do you run lines at home at, uh, over dinner or like uh, is there I mean I know that there's rehearsals and professional rehearsals and things like that but like does the conversation come home uh, afterwards and do you work on that's it that's funny at home?
7: we had the big scene and uh, we had a big scene with Roman and then we got on set and I was like oh my god he doesn't know his lines and I suddenly realised, like, of course he doesn't, because I didn't help him learn his lines. I'd been making a movie, you know, I was always a person who <laughs> made sure I knew his line. And, uh, and I suddenly paused, I was like, you don't know your lines. He goes, I know my lines. I was like, no, you don't. Um, so then I had to make sure. So that was, that was, that was something I studied over. I just assumed someone else would do it and he wasn't doing it on his own. So, um, But what I do subject the family to, which I think is a bit tricky, is like when I'm writing, I'm like, can you just listen to the scene guys? We're having dinner. I'm like, and they're like, oh, do we always have to do this every day? dinner? I'm like, just, just five minutes, five minutes. And then they don't I'm like, you have to listen to it. So I did that a lot. I read to them a lot. Does that um, help? It helps to hear it? Children are brilliant, um, brilliant script uh, doctors because <sighs> they're like they're like boring. Yeah, why is he saying that?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> they're, they're very good.
7: Kids are mean. <laughs>
1: I'm, yeah, this I'm trying to awesome. imagine. They're honest. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I'm,
4: try, I'm trying to imagine you reading this
3: material at dinner to your kids. I'm just yeah. trying to imagine <laughs> that. We 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 do a lot of these big interviews that would make a lot of people scared, but nothing scares me more than when I go speak to like middle schoolers or high school like, kids. kids <laughs> yeah. scare me. Yeah,
7: <laughs> they're, they're really knowledgeable and they really understand cinema much better than anyone gives them credit for. Um, but there's a collaboration in the sense that they tell me when I'm bad or wrong or good, and they don't tell me enough that I'm good. But yeah, we I am grateful <laughs> to have that those conversations, yeah. That's
5: I love so it. cool. That's fantastic.
3: Uh, I, I love when characters drop pop culture references in movies. It's just sort of a reminder do that they- I I think it's great. And there's a moment where two characters talk about the film The Road, where they, they talk about, like, maybe this is what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sort of curious about, making your characters aware of a post-apocalyptic world and then maybe what like post-apocalyptic films that you thought about when sort of crafting this one.
7: So um, I was talking earlier about uh, this very old um, uh, cartoon film called Where the Wind Blows. And I don't know if, you're, if you if you ever saw The Snowman. Did you ever see that film, The Snowman? Mm-hmm. I can't believe you guys haven't seen it, American. It was a cartoon about a boy who builds a snowman and they go flying through the really beautiful Christmas film. Anyway, this guy's a famous cartoonist called raymond briggs and he made a film years ago called where the wind blows which was a uh um a nuclear war movie it was terrifying and it's about this old couple who were living in a shed trying to survive a nuclear blast and as a kid it was the first time i understood what a nuclear bombs were and i got it that never left me right that yeah. i must have been eight or nine and i've never recovered from that and then i tried to watch the road maybe 20 years ago and i was like how old? I don't know, what is it, 15, 18 years old? That film. I was yeah, like, perfect. oh, this is bleak. <laughs> and um, so those two films have always been a reference of like that's that's where that it, that's for me what a, an apocalypse is. It's mm-hmm. monochrome colors,
3: yeah,
7: it's bad clothing, it's no food, it's people eating <laughs> each other. Yeah. And it's like Viggo Mortensen. Of- it's okay, Vigo's <laughs> kind of cool, right? I mean, what a great cast. but um, <laughs> so they are part of my horror. Things it's like sure. when you, you think of tsunami. I mean, like that the film, impossible. impossible. It was like yeah. horrendous. It was devastating. Oh my um, gosh! I love uh, that.
3: Right?
7: Yeah. So I. Th- so when she says the reference to the road, I mean, what a great film. But It's it it. Is horrible, yeah. isn't it?
3: Yeah. Because instantly, if you've seen that movie, you go, "Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Camille, I, uh, I. I won't ask you to reveal any specifics about the. Th- the film's final shot, um, but it's one of these these brilliant, brilliant moves that it's going to make you want to go back and rewatch the movie from the very beginning. Um, and so, I just want to ask you primarily when you knew what your final shot was going to be. Did you have it from the very beginning?
7: Well, this final shot is frustrating because, like I said, I'd read everything online, and I think one of the criticism was like, "Is this an anti-vax? Does it have an anti-vax association?" Um, I don't know if there's any reference to that, but I can skip over that because kevin's well, like, "You
0: said." You said yeah. something very smart in our first conversation, is that the vaccine is a way uh, forward and the pill is a way out. I thought that was clear.
7: I think it's very, very clear. And I'm glad that you pulled that face, because you're thinking, oh, I didn't say, so, and I didn't, I mean, this is socialist film, the kids fighting to for care of society. Um, but I, I'm, I, I am, if I'm honest, I am anti uh, government a bit. You no, know, I mean, when governments do the right thing, I'm pro government. But generally speaking, I think governments make a mess of everything. And, and I want my children to not be brought up as rebels, but to go, if someone says, do this, you go, well, okay, well, oh, really? Should I, you know, it's like we say to your kids, would you jump off a cliff? You know, and you're like, why did you do that at school? You're in trouble. Well, would you jump off a cliff if your friend told you to? That kind of thing. So, for me, it was fundamental that the um, the the last shot had to happen, and it okay. was never supposed to be a twist. Like I knew the audience would know, know that was happening, mm-hmm. so it was never supposed to be a twist. But it was supposed to re-emphasize his argument, which is um, I, I, without being too like uh, serious. But I believe in psychotherapy, and in psychotherapy, one of the uh, the teachings, obviously the young teachings, is that you have to learn to live with suffering, right? And and to become truly conscious in the world, you have to learn to live with your suffering. And the boy is like, for us to, be, to save humanity, we have to suffer. And the device in the film is, is to avoid suffering, and which is so t- typical of the privileged uh, classes. is like, we can get away with murder and we can get away with suffering. So let's just, so that was supposed to be a, a, a metaphor for that, you know, mm. um, that he's prepared to suffer for the sake of the of humanity. Right. But the one point Matthew Vaughan said to me, Oh, um, Claudia, his his wife, um, who was one of the producers, Claudia had an idea that maybe that doesn't happen. Obviously, I'm trying to... And I was like shaking. Oh, no. What? What? And I can't believe you just turned the TV on halfway through. That's Roman. He's just turned the TV on.
0: Um, (laughs) Oh. (laughs) uh, You
7: have to come and say hi now.
0: Yeah, please come over and say hi.
7: (laughs) (laughs) He's just had a fight with his brother, so he's upset. Oh, oh, no. What's up, man? Hi.
0: How are you, hey, sir? What's going hey, on, man? how are you doing, man? I'll Congratulations on this film.
7: Thank you. I, I've just had a long battle, with my brothers. Be careful. Be careful. Oh. Don't, oppose, don't expose all oh. our secrets. Yeah. Over? Of- what were you fighting over? What was
4: the battle? Yeah, you tell us.
7: He drank my parties and it kind of annoyed me. It's a terrible thing. He drank his fizzy drink. Oh,
3: gotcha. <laughs> Roman, we're no, sorry. That, those, those are fighting yeah. actions.
7: When you, come to the UK, when you come to the UK, they have a drink called Purdy's and it's full okay. of vitamins. It's not like one of those awful drinks that are full of like speedy stuff. Okay but it's like a B it's like a B vitamin drink. Anyway, they fight over these drinks. And I think he drank his brother's drink.
0: Does Roman ever throw around, hey, I won a Critic's Choice Award uh, in the house? <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. he should, if he well, hasn't. But
7: I think he believes he is special because he because he went on that journey. But, um, I won't, I won't, I won't tear him down. In do do? Uh, he's very upset. <laughs> <laughs> is, does he have the award in his room? No, it's all in the toilets. Our toilets are full of Ben's awards. <laughs> I've got one award now. I've got one award, but when people go to the toilet, they don't, they take ages to come out. We're Like, what's going on? Because um, it doesn't have best ventilation in the toilet, but then you realise they've been actually looking at everything in the toilet, <laughs> <laughs> all the clapboards and everything in there. Um, oh, that's
0: awesome.
7: What was I going to say? There was one thing I was going to say about. I can't remember what it was. What were we talking about? Well, we were
0: talking about, about the about final, your shot, your final shot, shot, the final shot, and and oh what, yes, oh, so when, uh, like, Matthew Vaughn's wife saying it shouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, Claudia,
7: Claudia Vaughn. She, um, Claudia Schiffer, and she was like, you know, Matthew was like, oh, Claudia's got this great idea about the end shop. And I was like trembling. And uh, Roman just happened to walk in the door from school. We were on one of these Evercasts, which is like a Zoom thing. And I said, why don't we? Uh... I knew Matthew wasn't gonna listen to me. We've had so many arguments about so many things. I was like, let's ask, uh, let's ask Roman what he thinks. Cause he, it's, his, uh, it's his character. And, uh, and I tried, I, I, could, I didn't have time when he walked from here to here to prompt him. So he said, what do you think, Roman? Do you think this should happen? And he went, no, of course. I mean, of course that has to happen. I mean, otherwise, blah, 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 blah. And he went, fine, (laughs) cool. Stays as it is. And I was like, oh, lucky escape. Brilliant. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. Thank
0: That's you for awesome. asking me about that, yeah. Yes, no, of course. I, listen, yeah. I, we're out of time. I we, wish we yeah, had more. We, we have more. so
4: many questions. Um, I, I, I want to, the next time we get you on, I want to talk about like loading film stock because I'm, I'm so interested in that because I genuinely want to hear stories about that. So we to get you back I want to hear about the,
0: the 9 a.m. dance parties to fame is what I really want to oh, get they in. were like, incredible. <laughs> <both dancing. laughs> they were so good, by the <laughs> so amazing. But we know so you have a very busy night, so we got to let you go. Thank, thank you. you for coming on Real Blend. Uh, we're going to send people to go see Silent Night and uh, and to go in it as as clean as possible, knowing as as little as they can. So
7: okay, well, I'm really grateful to you guys and thank you for supporting us and so no much problem. fun talking to you.
0: Oh, good. Thank you. Have a great thank night. You. Okay, Stay take safe.
7: care.
0: We want to thank Camille Griffin for coming on the show. Silent Night is absolutely one of those movies that um, if it's playing anywhere near you, go out of your way to find it. Uh, and we will explain why in the review section of the show, so head on down there.
6: This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.
0: who passed away suddenly at age of 53 and his name is James Rocky. And just to give you guys some context, like the point of this conversation is just to sort of give an introduction to the the really colorful personalities that we meet as part of this job. And for the amount of time that you end up spending uh, in junket hospitality suites and in hallways, uh, sitting on chairs, uh, preparing to go into, into a room, uh, you make a lot of small talk that leads into... Sort of heartfelt conversations um, with people who you just run into, you know, from from different corners of the world uh, who all come together for these junkets. And James was absolutely one of those guys um, who stood out on the junket circuit and he passed away at age 53 uh, recently after having um, he checked into hospital with chest pains and uh, had a heart attack and passed away. And so it was surprising to hear that because it's somebody who we've worked with for a while and he got out of the business and went into teaching because he really just got fed up with a lot of the things that we complain about. You know, it's kind of why I wanted to bring him up too, because he suffered through, you know, so many of the things that we gripe about in this, in this industry. Um, Ben was smart enough to just say enough is enough. I'm going to go do something else. But when he was doing junkets, he was really uh, one of the best. He stood out in a way with the talent uh, that that really resonated with people who appreciated his smart questions. I, I'm speaking for, for all of us, I think, when I say that watching his junket interviews inspired me to ask better questions. Um, I encountered him at a time when I was still really figuring out how to do this uh, and hearing mm. his standards for the things that he asked. He was one of the very you know earliest ones to kind of puncture questions that you were going to ask and tell you like, that's frivolous. You know, like, why are you why are you asking that? And almost helped me shape the idea of going after the answers that I want. Right. Um, but he was he was two things I will always remember. He was e- exceedingly tall. And so he stood out in every single room and he was as Canadian and polite as they get. Uh, hmm. And so he was one of the people that when you went to a junket, you wanted to be in his circle kind of thing you gravitated right towards him to see what you know he was kind of holding court and what stories he was telling and uh and i know you guys had a lot of fun interactions with him as well too kevin you wanted to you were talking about him earlier yeah
4: so right when i saw the news that he passed um i opened up my instagram because him and i had stayed in touch over these years just like in brief like i was i have my instagram open with him right now um and I, I I'm it was like March it was in March of 2020 I had put a post up about a record I was listening to and he just simply said hey i miss you man mm-hmm. and i was like i miss you too dude how are you i mean like i I was it, was it was just like you know we're in the middle of covid i hadn't seen him in years um and just you know the fact that he stayed in touch and he would like and talk about interviews and reviews and like we would dm about movies and um but when i first met him um, you know, obviously Jake and I met in 2010 and, uh, in, in DC. And like, I just started doing junkets at that point, but Rocky was someone I met like along the way after that. And I don't know why, but he always reminded me of Tarantino. I, I, I there was something about really? his presence. I, I don't yeah. know why. I don't know if it was like a little bit of a look, but I mean, I, I, there were, I, I know he doesn't really look like Tarantino, but there was something, I don't know. I always like thought of Tarantino and I meant I mean that complimentary because sure. he was, He was a brilliantly knowledgeable in films. Uh, He held conversations. Like you said, he held court and talked about things. Um, He was always kind to me. Um, When I first started on the Junkets, I, you know, Jake knows this. There was, I had, you know, when you're the new young guy, um, you're dealing with a lot of people who are not nice to you or feel threatened or jealous that you're new or Mm -hmm. et cetera. Not knowing that you're basically there doing it for free for eight years, they just think you're like you know this is some <laughs> guy from DC or whatever. Yeah. Um. But James never James never um talked to me like I was new. It was just we were just movie got friends who loved movies. Um. I loved his opinion on films, even if him and I had a disagreement. Um. He we always found a middle ground in our conversation. Um. He was he was hilarious in a very um, what's the word I would use for it? Like it. it, it it wasn't like your typical style of humor. There was a, there was like there, I don't know. There was something, it was so James Rocky. I don't know how else to put it, but it was so James Rocky. Like, like that guy, there was nobody I had ever met that was like James. Um, And yeah, it's an, it's so awful to hear about his passing. He was incredibly young. um, And uh, I'm, I'm actually so, so happy because Sean texted us today and said, I would like to talk about Rocky on the show. And I'm like, Thank you. We definitely need to. And I'm, and this was Sean's idea, and I'm so happy that we are. Because anybody listening to us right now who doesn't know who James is, just look up his reviews. Yeah. Um, he uh, And you just, just search his reviews. Um, even if you don't know him personally or never hadn't heard his name prior, um, you know, the beauty of the film world and the industry we work in is that, you know, movies and, and things live on forever, just like the reviews you know, I'm st- I still read Roger Ebert reviews.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I sure. mean? Like, I, com- I, come
4: across, I come across his old reviews all the time. Um, so the cool thing about what James left in his legacy is this idea of we can still hear his voice yeah. through his words. Um, and uh, I just have always appreciated his kindness. And his. he was always a fan. And, and, but he was professional. And he's always a fan. That's kind of the biggest lesson I think I learned from him was that I mm-hmm. could be a fan... But also still be professional and still geek out but still have that journalistic aspect to yourself and um it, yeah so he was he was he was uh he was special in my entrance into this
3: world Jake, do you remember when you met him or meeting him? oh god yeah it was uh, very early on in my in my junket tenure um the man was was larger than life both figuratively and literally mm-hmm. um just a just a massive presence a booming voice a wonderful laugh that's the tarantino um, I mean, part of yeah. like he was
4: just it was it, like his he just boom his presence was was <laughs> yeah. bigger than the room um yes, yeah a,
3: a man who um exemplified class and dignity but also demanded class and dignity of others a man yes. who would not suffer um uh indignity of anyone um uh to the point where he would call you out if he if he found you to to be rude um, he was uh, the maybe quite possibly the classiest man. I mean, he's a man who old school, not, yeah. Not just made me want to step up my style of interviewing and questions, but also just my personal style. He was sure. always impeccably dressed, and and would just you know just frown upon the idea of anyone because he he took that as a form of respect. He was a man who was all about respect. Uh, so old school in his manners. I I love. I mean, here's the deal. Look, everyone's got a, a James Rocky story, but mine is I walked into the screening of the dark Knight rises uh, wearing a batman t-shirt and i'll never oh. forget james rocky in the back of the theater screaming mr hamilton are you really going to be the guy wearing a batman shirt at a batman <laughs> screening and i shouted back mr rocky are you really going to be the man that embarrasses a child in front of a group of people and he came up to me after the screening and said he always called me professor professor I tip my cap to you. And here's the thing. He is the kind of man who actually wore a cap and would tip unironically. Not like as as a, like, oh, I'm doing this retro. He was a man who tipped his cap. Two people. That's yes. the kind of man. He like that's the class. I just. Oh my god. I just. I and you know, I, I'm going to be honest. Look, I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend like oh he was my best friend. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But right. But but his passing affected me. Like that night, I was really like after we we all texted, and I and I did the same thing, Kevin. I went back into my DMs, and, and he and I last spoke in in August, and I, I don't want to like. Lay out. I, I, he would scoff at the idea of I, th- I think us laying out our our private messages. But I can honestly tell you that he said a lot of very kind words about this show. He said a lot of very kind words about the two of you. He was big fans of you two, hmm. um, and uh, he was a big fan of, of animals. He and I would often he, like he was a big fan. he would respond to pictures of Daenerys all the hmm. time. Um, and 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 on two things. W- one is the most beautiful thing that I, I read about him was uh, it's hard to believe that he's gone because it's hard to believe a man like that ever lived. True. And which I think is, is entirely true. And I'm sure you guys saw, I'm gonna chill I just thinking about this, I'm sure you guys saw um, the outpouring of, of affection and kind yeah. words that came out about him after yeah. the passing. And let me tell you something, man. If I get 10%, if I get 1% <laughs> of the kind words that came out about him, Well, whenever I go, then then I will have done something right in this world because here's
0: my takeaway from that. And I'm really, really glad you brought that up, because what that taught me as that kept going, because I agreed with everything that everybody was saying. And my only hope was that enough people said it to him while he was here. Mm -hmm. Right. So my takeaway was to tell people that I feel that way about them now. Yeah. You know, and not. Tweet about it after they're gone. Yeah, because I also read so many stories about
4: him calling people on their birthdays and singing mm-hmm. happy yeah. birthday. Like this, this guy was like he was so dialed into people. Mm-hmm. Like he was never disconnected. Yeah. In, yeah. in in
3: like we live in a I mean, day he, and age. He gave up we, this job, this very flashy right, job to, to teach, to teach to students. Teach right, students. and and one of the yeah. things that him and I
4: talked about dur- or DM'd about during the pandemic was about how he was teaching during the pandemic and that must have, you know, doing it through zoom and how insane that must've been. But, um, but there's something like, I don't know, we live in a day and age. We all have cell phones. We being present in a moment now is so hard for a lot of people, especially, you know, you know, for me and like, for example, I have ADHD and stuff like that. So just in general, but when I was with James, I always felt like every, he was always listening to me. Mm -hmm. genuinely listening to me yes and genuinely conversating with me and not like passively talking to me passively talking to me so uh, and going to jake's point all the outpouring one thing i think that's really important is like how you treat people in general right Mm -hmm. because you never know who you're going to come across and what you might say how it might affect that person's life and um yeah it just taught it it, you know hearing all that just i i i hope that more people can learn from how james treated people in the world that we work in um he changed how
0: i operate in it and i know he changed how we all operate in it um so for people who are completely unfamiliar with james uh before this segment he had a podcast that i hope is still readily available it was called the lunch uh he did interviews with a number of different people Please go seek it out. His voice was terrific. He um, also wrote heavily for Microsoft MSN... Uh, so please go seek out his stuff there. Cool, Terrific, terrific voice. So yeah. uh, hopefully we turn you guys on to some of his amazing work. And read um, his work. Read his work. Absolutely. Great Look writer. up his
4: written reviews. Yeah. yeah.
0: I can't tell you how much he would despise the fact that we we're going to follow up that tribute with a Spider-Man uh, Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe story.
4: <laughs> Sean, you wouldn't but, wear a Fantastic <laughs> Four shirt to a movie podcast, would you, Doctor, sir? Doctor. Doctor, why are you talking about Spider-Man? <laughs>
0: uh, so there were rumors that dropped earlier this week, or I'm, I'm sorry, not even rumors, uh, qu- quotes from Amy Pascal speaking to Fandango and uh, our good friend, uh, Eric Davis, uh, who appeared on Real Blend in the earliest days, where uh, Eric got to talk to Amy because tickets for Spider-Man No Way Home are going on sale, and Fandango got some time with her. And in the course of his interview with her, and talks, he talked about bringing this trilogy of uh, home movies to a close and uh, uh, to which she then cut him off and said, let me clear that up for a second. Uh, so unprompted, she said, uh, this is not our final Spider-Man movie. Um, we're going, we're starting work on the next one with Tom Holland right now. And we're going, she literally says we're going from one trilogy into another trilogy. So this is not the end of, of our relationship with Marvel well the next story that came out was from a quote-unquote sony insider uh who i will call mevin mikey <laughs> who said uh this is not confirmed and no one signed up for anything and i think amy jumped the gun so how, how
3: often do you think i'm gonna jump in how often do you think kevin feige picks up his phone looks at it and goes son of-
0: I think twice I, I, a day. <laughs>
6: I want to. I want to clear something before that gets quoted. Sean
3: is sure.
0: not
6: confirming it was Kevin.
3: Feige. I am not He's joking at all. that it was Kevin Feige. Thank he does you. not know yes. who this person.
0: Is. Thank you for saving me from all the yes. heart, the heartache yes. that was going to come from that. All yes. I heard um,
3: from what Gabe said was Sean confirms it's Kevin Feige. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, especially Stop on this Kevin title. <laughs> on this title, I think Feige is. Um, because the thing is, he's trying to protect a lot of secrets from this movie, uh, and he would prefer... And he's right! He's right in doing this. He was trying to protect the theatrical reveal of the big things that are, I think, waiting for fans in this movie. Um, but this one has been under the microscope more than most. Uh, and not only do people want to know stuff about this movie, but they want to know about stuff about where it's going. So... Um, Gabe pointed out that I had been saying a while ago that I thought by the end of No Way Home that Tom Holland would be out of the MCU and maybe over into the Sony Spider-Verse of movies. Or it maybe he'd
4: like... actually go home for a little
0: bit. For a little while. Yes, who knows? Spider-Man <laughs> I mean, forward, Holland, just, it's
3: just called home. I think Tom
0: Holland <laughs> wants to go home <laughs> and be done he with this, this press tour. Um, but, I mean, where do you guys stand on this? Do you think it's good that he's staying in the MCU? Indifferent? Would you rather see him go do something de- something else? I want him um, in the MCU.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's the best Spider-Man to ever grace the screen. I, um, you know, I, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, I, the moment I saw him dropped into Civil War, it was there was like the moment we saw that first teaser spot in the trailer where yeah. hey under hey underoos, and I mean, it's like yeah, it yeah. was his his presence. I, I will watch ten more Spider-Man films with him in it. Um, sure. I will say though, I, I, I feel no bad more f- than
6: ten. Yeah, yeah. Take that. I, I do, I do feel
4: bad for Andrew Garfield in a sense, okay. and I don't feel bad for him. I mean, he's obviously an amazing actor, and um, I wish he had Probably better going to win an Oscar. He'll
6: be fine.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, in all honesty, if people ha- listening to this haven't seen Tick Tick Boom, that's your best performance of the year from an actor that I've seen so far. It is. Um, I'm sorry, incredible. Did you watch Sing Two yet? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um you don't get no, Oscars it,
0: for vocal performances I stole yeah, that no. I
4: stole that uh joke from Sean thank you <laughs> but in all in, in all honesty um Sean has kind of uh and and my and, and Lauren actually have have made me appreciate Garfield's films a little bit more than I did when I saw them um I mean Sean you you're you're the one who kind of reminded me how powerful her uh, Emma Stone's death sequences, yes. um, in the second film, which is a really incredible scene, uh, and Garfield and her play that scene masterfully. Yeah. Um, I kind of want Garfield to get another go at it, um, and maybe he will. I mean, obviously, we don't we don't know what's going to happen with No Way Home, but um, in terms of Holland, yeah, I mean, this is I do fear, and I want Holland to be able to balance this because he's a really great actor who's genuinely great dramatically um not saying spider-man is not a great dramatic role but at the end of the day when he taps into some serious stuff like cherry and uh the devil uh the devil what was the movie the devil the Netflix
0: one that he devil did all the
4: time devil all the time um even I the impossible yeah. impossible was the first time i ever interviewed him. i think he was like, like a little kid at yeah. The time. <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah. i'll never forget that um and because he had just... I think Billy Elliot was his thing prior to that, right? He did Billy in, Elliot in London. In, yes. In London, yes. Yeah. On stage in the West End. Right. Um, so the last thing I'll say about this is this. I hope that it, as he continues playing Spider-Man, which I want him to, that he still diverts off and does not make doesn't that doesn't become his main Hmm. thing um and i think he has a great team around him i think he's a great i mean i've interviewed him so many times he seems like a good dude um i think i just want him to be able to keep his head on his shoulders and not get so wrapped up in like you know everyone wants spider-man all the time like he i want him to grow and be and be different things but i'm a hundred percent in with him staying i mean i don't see why we wouldn't be
0: yeah
6: kevin kind of brought up an interesting point um, Sean, do you think okay if this movie ends with the the multiverse exploding and there's mm-hmm. different Spider-Man abound? Oh, could Garfield come back and do more separate ones? Well, I was gonna say they're gonna they have the Spider Verse um, movie, so they have you know an animated Spider-Man that they're right. sort of supporting, and they have the MCU Spider-Man. Is there a world where Sony could sustain two live-action Spider-Men at the same time? <sighs> if it's we're, under we're getting the, a
3: couple of live-action Batman.
6: Yeah, 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 exactly. Do you think they could have a full-fledged, whether it's Garfield or something else, where they go, this is our amazing Spider-Man in this universe that is not technically in the MCU, but the MCU could dip into if the multiverse cracks?
0: Yes, because let me tell you a couple of theories that have come about. And I know nothing, and this is just speculation that I'm hearing across the board. Um, Why is Kevin
6: Feige in the... I can see him in your windowsill. He's like right outside the window. Wearing his Punisher
0: shirt? (laughs) You guys see a red light on my forehead. (laughs) Please (laughs) warn me. I just need to duck to the left. Um, Yes, the the Sony universe that is set up there with Venom and Morbius can absolutely exist on its own uh, outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you could say that um, if it's explained in No Way Home that Spider-Man came over from that universe uh and he's going back to it then yeah you could set up one who's over at sony and and tom holland could stay in the marvel cinematic universe and i mm-hmm. think people are savvy enough to understand that, that yes you could have two operating at the same time i fear that andrew garfield is too old for it um at this point now unless he just plays an older version I mean, of it does, does he, he just want 20... to
4: do it though he played a 29 year old jonathan larson just did he yeah, really? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah jonathan larson was 29 co- this is a superhero, but he could be a, a 30-year-old superhero if he wanted to. If he plays the, like, Jake Johnson,
6: Peter Parker from
4: the yeah, Spider-Verse.
0: Yeah, that would yeah. be fine. I'd be yeah. totally fine with that. Um, I, just, but
4: I just loved his energy. One and, of I, the, and I... Yeah.
0: And you're right. You When you said he deserved better material, he absolutely... He's, he, he was did. the right actor for that part at the time, and he got not great scripts to yeah. to build yeah. a world. Um, Unfortunately. So, so I've heard... The thing that, that confuses this is that that mid-credits scene from Venom 2 uh, brought Venom to the MCU instead of vice versa. Mm-hmm. I thought that end credit scene was going to somehow bring Tom Holland to the Sony side. So then you have to ask, why did Venom come over to the Marvel side, if only for a second? And some people are speculating that a piece of the symbiote is going to... Detach from from Venom essentially, uh, and be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then Eddie Brock is going to get sent back to the Sony Universe where he was. That that one second scene or one second shot was only done so that a piece of the symbiote could be over in the MCU, and then a you know eventually. But, okay, but a, I don't, wait, I don't I don't Venom understand story. that
3: because like if he's in the MCU, he's in the MCU. Like whether if you say he's out there, whether the movies show everyone else or not. In my mind, he's out there somewhere. Yeah.
0: Yes, they would have to kind of explain that.
3: Yeah, I would say otherwise we're just not gonna. Like yeah. Ven-
4: Venom. I. am I, I think Hardy's Venom is gonna be in the new Spider-Man movie. I think that's what they were trying to allude to. Oh, you think I think it's gonna he's, be in
0: No Way Home.
6: Oh, I think
4: I. I think that Hardy. Well, that was the is event. Show that, up as Venom. That event okay. has
6: to be the the
4: spell oh, yeah. breaking. Like that that's has to gonna, come up at some point. You think? So? I can't see that not happening. I, I would right. almost bet on it. Oh wow. Okay, because because why else it's also they're both Sony movies. They are technically yes. um, and you don't do an end credit scene that huge right for that large of an audience for no reason um, and I think your entire question that you just the, the thing you just brought up. I think it's going to be solved where you're going to have Hardy dropped into this world uh, into this world. Somehow. Or, is, or is
6: he just one of the villains that gets fixed? Like are right. like is is, well, is is this movie going to end with him fixing the problem? You know, because right now he's That's not special. really a villain; he's like an
4: anti-hero, right, kind of oh, thing. No. Yeah. Not, but gonna, but venom,
6: and, but in that end credit scene, venom suggests that he wants to eat him. So he is um, <laughs> he's just going yeah. to. Be yeah, a but he villain suggests he wants, wants to eat everybody. Like
3: yeah, I, I I don't look at venom as an actual. But threat. my point
6: so, being, he's no different than all these other villains who we assume aren't going to be necessarily well, sticking around because well, it's the okay. problem of the movie. Stupid question. So,
4: venom in Spider Man Three was topher grace right correct yes okay that's obviously a, a different universe but theoretically yes. if we're in a multiverse yes and mcguire and Garth and mcguire can exist in this and so can doc Ock, sure theoretically could we have
6: topher yes. and tom hardy yes
0: you can have like, anything at, that's the multiverse oh. problem is especially literally beca-
6: anything could happen
0: because the sandman who is coming over no Way Home is from that movie that had Toll for Grace in it.
4: Yeah. And that was Tom who's the act
3: Tom
5: Thomas um, Hayden Church. Thomas? Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas is Hayden Church. He, is, 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 has
3: anyone heard about whether or not the actor so, Thomas Hayden Church is going to be in it?
0: I have not heard about him and Reese Ifans, um, which makes me think that oh, their yeah. two characters are just gonna be the CGI versions of their villains. Mm-hmm. Like you'll only just see the Sandman as this big sand cloud and never as Thomas Hayden Church. And the lizard will always be the lizard and not as
4: yeah. Reese Ifeons. Just a little so. Reese Ifeons, uh uh shout-out. He's Ooh, so great. I love these and, Reese shout-outs. Uh, he's so great in Notting Hill. Yes, he is. Oh, That's God, like One yes. of my favorite yes. performances of his. Like, yeah. he's so good in that movie. All right, anyway, so. Terrific.
0: All right, so we'll be able to talk more about Spider-Man No Way Home as we get closer to the release. Uh, but before that, we'll have West Side Story. But this week, we have a couple of movies that are reaching... Uh, theaters and platforms starting with a movie called Wolf that none of us have seen. This is not the Jack Nicholson, uh, Michelle I like that Pfeiffer. movie. Is that called Me too. Wolf?
3: It is called Wolf. Is it?
0: Is I like that. In that too? It was
3: a
4: really good Wolf. Like yeah, it, was, it was like terrifying when they yeah, yeah, did that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Don't give us the rap Gabe. We're talking
3: about a movie that came out 30 years ago that no one knows about. Talking about Wolf. Yes. Oh my bad.
0: You wrote Wolf in the yeah. thing. You said you didn't specify. You want us to talk about Wolf. Um, well, let's, uh, since we didn't see Wolf, let's talk about the power of the dog. Yeah. It's the animal segment. Hey! Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jakey, you go first with power of the dog because you liked it more than I did.
3: Yeah, I, I really, really love this movie. It is a, it is a slow burn of slow burns, but I mean, just everything about this film came together for me. The, the performances. Um, you know, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. It's, it's probably I would argue the best performances of his career. Uh, uh Cody Smith McPhee. I think uh, should really be in in consideration for the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Mm-hmm. I thought his performance was phenomenal. Um, uh, Kirsten Dunst is is amazing. Um, I love Jesse Plemons. I think he's one of the best actors working today. I still continuously feel like he's not given sometimes the part. Like he's always great in the parts he gets, but I feel like he's not given the good enough part to really game night really show us game night. Na- oh, game, game night's night, brilliant, and I think he's. I want to say them. he's the lead. In Killers of the Flower Moon, I think that's a story that, that like everyone's talking about how DiCaprio and De Niro are in it, but my mm-hmm. understanding is that Clemens is the lead. Anyway, that could be great. Um, Jane Campion's direction, I think, is. Oh yeah, yeah. Todd, he's Meth Damon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a great. Um, and <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the cinematography is beautiful. I think the score, it's it is a it is a tight. T- Here's the deal: is it uh, so much about this film? You don't realize what it is until it's over. Yeah. Um, you know i wouldn 't have called it a psychological thriller while I was watching it, um but it 's kind of when you but by the time it 's done, you go oh that was that was messing with me like that was that was doing some stuff i didn 't realize it was doing um and look i 'm going to be completely honest with you. Sean and I hopped on the phone after I had the chance to see it, and Sean made me realize a lot of things about the film that i didn 't even pick up on whenever I was watching it and that made me like it more now then mm-hmm. the argument could be made well should i should I like it that much if i wasn 't able to get it I don't know, um, I, I, but here's what I'll say, is that I, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, the, the conversation that Sean and I had made me like it even more. Um, it is a slow, brilliant look into what it means to be cruel and why we are cruel. Mm. Um, and uh, it's it, at the end of the day, it's, to me, a heartbreaking film. It is mm. a tragically sad, sad film. Um, and I just thought it was absolutely beautiful absolutely beautiful i loved it
0: um okay so i'll i'll pick up from there because jake and i had a huge conversation about what we thought it meant and he's right you don't necessarily understand the full impact of this movie until it is completely over um and my problem is once it revealed what it was i it didn't justify uh everything that we sat through to get to that point um because it you call it a slow burn it is painfully slow. And I guarantee that if people try to check it out on Netflix, they will punch out in 10 minutes.
3: I do think the average viewer doesn't last 30 minutes on Netflix.
0: It's really tough. Yeah, it's tough because it does. It's uh, like you say, it's not the kind of movie that if you sit with it, it, it at least starts to point in the direction of this is where it's going. It's actually broken up into chapters. And Michelle and I went to go see it at a theater. Netflix set it up in a theater for us. And after three or four chapters, by the fourth chapter, like we both turned to each other and we were like, what? Like, where is this going? Like, what is this going to be? And then it finally does crystallize in in literally its closing minutes. And then I was like, oh, that's what it was. And, you know, then you and I hashed it out and I kind of, you know, got some more out of it. And I, I did appreciate it more the more we sort of talked about it, but not enough for me to justify recommending it and this is becoming one of those films that like the more it gets talked about as a front runner in the awards campaign it makes me upset it makes me angry because i don't think that that should be the case i do think jane campion's direction is is really good um but i have to give her fault for the pacing of the movie in the way that it's it's structured so kev you saw it did you get a chance to check oh it out? yeah oh yeah i okay. did the junket oh, and everything where are you um, on this then
4: um uh so i'm kind of in the middle of you two um okay. So my experience with this film was similar in the sense to Sean. So it's like when the film started, so there were, there were things that were happening within the slower moments that kept me in. So like Mm -hmm. Johnny Greenwood is one of the best composers working today. um, uh, Did the score for this and there'll be blood. And, you know, he's one of the guitar player for Radiohead, brilliant guy. Um, And it's masterfully shot. It's like one of the most beautiful films I've seen in a long time. And, and, Cumberbatch is amazing. Cody Smith McPhee is amazing. Uh, Dunstan, Plemons—I mean, everyone delivers strong performances. Um, but I couldn't deny that I did feel the pacing for sure, um, hmm. uh, and especially—were well,
3: well, you ever bored? I guess is the question. Because like there were—I well, I
4: would say it's a slow movie, but I don't think I was ever bored watching it. I wouldn't call it bored, but my my—I think what Sean brings up an interesting point because once the film ended, I kind of was like. Okay. And mm-hmm. then then when I and then it sat with me for a you know, for weeks now. We did the press junket for it, um, dove deeper into the thematics with the actors and um I had this uh, uh Kirsten Clemens, they were so great. That was a great they were so great together
3: for the interview. I had no clue um, they're
0: a real life couple. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they're no a clue. real life couple. If you've never seen them in the second season of Fargo, they're yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal okay. Cool. Which is where I, they I, met.
4: Yeah. Hmm. That's so they played husband met, and yeah. wife
3: in that too. And they were so they were sitting there at the junket, and I was like, "Jesse, what's your favorite
4: Kirsten role?" And Kirsten, what's your favorite Jesse movie? And like, they had—I think hers was like Mike, because I fo- I forgot that they were like they both were like child actors. Sure, you know, yeah. obviously, obviously, Jumanji, Bring It On for her, but I forgot Jesse was like like Mike. He's a kid in that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've um, never seen him in Friday Night Lights. Yeah, one of the best characters, on one of the best shows of all time. Interesting, I, and to Todd—it'll be Todd for me always. But um, so what's fascinating about this movie is it got better the more I thought about it. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was conversations. So, and Sean brings up an interesting point. Like, what does that mean then? Because if you watch the film one time and you walk away feeling like it was slow or it just didn't, it didn't bring uh, itself uh, forward in a, in a way that uh, you as an audience were taking it in. um, What does that mean about the film? And it's interesting. There shouldn't shouldn't be a time limit though, right? uh, Like you should uh, be. I'm not saying that, but but we when you walk out of a movie, you know, you have your initial gut reaction, right? And then you sit on it and think about it. Um like for example with Green Knight, when I walked out of that film, I didn't love it and everyone and else Hollywood. did. Um oh I liked Hollywood a lot. Dream. Green, sure, Green not like uh, Green but it went from
3: a movie you liked to liked to my favorite
4: maybe Tarantino your favorite movie Tarantino, movie Tarantino film ever. No, it it is my favorite Tarantino yeah. movie of all time now. Um
0: but, but you power, knew power. right away you wanted to see Green Knight again. Like, I would not want to sit through Power of the Dog again. So what John brings up is an interesting
4: point, because as I've, as I've taken a deeper dive into what happened, now I want to see it again mm. really badly, because now I want to watch the film knowing what's happening. Um, but it's an interesting question you bring up about a person's first viewing of a movie and most people don't watch movies more than once. And not a lot of people have the patience to get through something that is a little more on the slow burning side. That being said, um, it's a rewarding film thematically. If you can let it be what it is and then think about it and then try and revisit it. I think that there's a lot in here. That's great. And I'm more leaning towards, like, the Jake side of it of, like, I, I recommend it, um, but I haven't seen it twice yet. Um, but I will say that I've been dying to watch it again, literally, oh, I mean, I, I, because of the uh, the conversations I've had with people about what the ending means. Um, on top of that, Cumberbatch, his arc is so, so slow burning and so mm-hmm. specific um that i don't think you can truly appreciate the nuances of his performance unless you watch it and then go back yeah that's interesting that's That's a great point that's a really good point there's so much going on there um in terms of his like one of the things i talked to him about in our interview uh, he has these very vulnerable sequences where he's naked in the in the in the in the the, uh in the woods and covering himself with mud um, and these are all very important character-driven, vulnerable moments that speak to the character. But not knowing where the movie goes, those moments might not hit that way.
0: Right. So they strike you as very unusual when you're watching it on the first time. Well,
4: un- unusual. I wouldn't use the word unusual. I would say like it, it just, it just like I, I was like, why? What am I supposed to be feeling here? Yeah, yeah. Um, but now that I know, and I relive that scene in my head or those scenes in my mind, I'm like, oh shit. Wow. like so now i am almost like i need to revisit it because it's one of those movies but yeah. sean makes a good point though it's like it's going to be a hard sell to audiences to stay with it and possibly revisit it so um i do recommend it though it's beautifully shot beautifully scored beautifully performed um it's just it is very slow
0: uh, i definitely want to by. hear i want to hear from you guys as you check Let it us out. know yeah. yeah i would love to hear from people and 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 see how it plays for, i admire the hell out of it for more yeah. audiences i just don't um, know
4: if i love it yeah, yeah.
0: All right, let's transition over to a movie that, um, it's again, really difficult to talk about because, uh, there's a lot going on in it and it would, it, this is not the place for us to discuss it. Uh, yeah, we're not, well, we're not gonna be able to do a spoilery section on this. Hopefully we'll get a chance to circle back around to Silent Night at another time. Um, but this is a film that Camille Griffin is directing, and she directed it in COVID. Uh, and so it's basically set in one location. It's a it's an English countryside home where a family is getting together for Christmas, and it's essentially um, siblings and all of their significant others and the different personalities that they're all bringing. And you start to realize like under, there's an undercurrent to uh, the reason that they're all getting together, and it's not just the holiday there's a there's a reason that that they're being pulled together and this is really great that we're doing this with Power of the Dog because Silent Night is the kind of movie that you know that there's more going on very similar to Power of the Dog but with each sort of plot turn in Silent Night, you get more about the big picture, which is yeah. what I prefer more about it. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, it's this movie and then it went a little bit more and I go, oh, it's this movie and it just kept sort of going. Um, and again, I can't tell you what the undercurrent is or I don't necessarily want to dig too deep into what the undercurrent is. But what I can say is that I thought that the the explanation of it was extremely rewarding and that when you get to... The, the, there is a shot, the very last shot of this movie
3: Ugh. Ugh. will
0: will make you change your mind on everything that you watched. Um, which I think is fascinating. I think no matter what you think watching it, when you get to the end, you're gonna turn around and say, Oh wow. You know, <laughs> let like me rethink. Yeah, let me rethink everything that I just thought watching this and so um i'm gonna stop it there but i'm gonna say that the performances are terrific um one thing that was really fun that kira brought up in a interview i did with her earlier she they brought this movie to toronto and i got to do a uh interview with her and lily rose depp who plays one of the um, as well. you just dropped
4: something on the floor
0: a couple of of names a couple couple of names names. yeah yeah. can you grab
4: those real quick okay yeah hold on one second yeah not
0: a problem. kira said how in the face of uh a crisis how the british have a personality that is very much like no no um let's move on you know it's time for tea it's time for dinner and that humor goes throughout this movie and i thought that was really really funny the way that they played it that even though something big is happening uh they needed to keep the peace and maintain stability as much as they could and that addressing the big thing that was happening uh, would even sort of be frowned upon. And they wanted to keep the focus on Christmas as much as possible. I love that Kira Knightley does totally bizarre Christmas movies. That people will argue about whether they're christmas movies or not jake and i even had this argument about whether this is a christmas movie um but i highly recommend it and it's one of these movies that probably people are gonna be like i don't even know what this is like you haven't heard about it at all i would say go out of your way to to seek it out because it's without
3: uh, watching a trailer it was fun because yeah, yeah the stuff that we don't want to talk about um is featured in the trailer okay and uh when i watched the film as you heard in the interview uh i just pressed play because we had a screener and and uh i just thought well what the hell i gotta watch it anyway might as well just watch it without knowing what it's about and what's funny is i was kind of texting Sean as i was watching it going like dude i am dying laughing at work like this is hilarious oh my god this is like i'm i'm what like what it's just a crazy family cooped up in a house this is nuts and then about 30 minutes in i went oh (laughs) this isn't funny yeah (laughs) this isn't funny at all and uh let me tell you when you kind of start slowly realizing what's happening i gotta be honest i got so anxious just by the end of it i just was just so in a good way like so uncomfortable and just so like it's it's one of those movies that really makes you pause and go what would i do like in this scenario like how would i behave what 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 would i say to my Family. What would mm. I say to my significant other? What you know? Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I I hate that we live in a world where, unfortunately, in order for most people to find out about this movie, they're going to have to see a trailer and probably have the bit ruined for them. But that's mm. the world in which we live. Um, but if you get the chance, we're telling about it. We're telling you about it now. If you haven't seen it, I think it's absolutely worth seeing. It's only ninety minutes, mm. um, which I think is just the right amount of time. Um, if you can seek it out without seeing anything, I think that's the best viewing experience possible. Absolutely. Highly recommend on my part.
0: All right. Let's move on to uh, Kira Knightley Blend. And uh, Jake, keep going. Uh,
3: um, You're up first. Look, look uh, we often have a, co- a conversation about whether just because someone's in a movie doesn't really mean it's their movie. It's a lot of big part of it is like, what is their contribution to the film? Sure. Um, I'm still, and I gave this a lot of thought, I'm still going to go ahead and say the very first Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Um, Because it is an ensemble piece and a lot of people could say you know oh it's it's jack sparrows it's it's johnny depp's it she elizabeth swan is just as much a part of of the plot of that film what drives that film um the 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 back and forth between her and jack sparrow the back and forth between her and uh orlando bloom and uh i and she plays it she you know like jack sparrow i i would argue Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow is one of the single greatest performances of any actor of the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. And she goes toe-to-toe with him mm-hmm. in not one, in not two, but three different films and holds her own. It, like yeah. in, A lesser actor would be overshadowed by a performance like that. And maybe her performance isn't as showy, but it's smart and it's funny in a different way. And it's strong in a different way. It's all the great things about Jack Sparrow, just in a different way. She's an independent that. thinker. Jeffrey um, Rush,
0: too. They've Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush, Rush. Oh, my God, in. Jeffrey Rush. Jesus. And, uh, she and, uh, that and uh, Bill,
3: Bill Nye, who yeah. was, I would argue, fantastic in 2 and 3. Um, she holds her own and does just as much without like maybe the superfluous um, attributes that her co-stars have, whether it be CGI or more of a wacky character or whatever the case may be. And it's Come a combination David of Davy Jones, I I Davy Jones, Davy Jones, Jones who? <laughs> inside joke. It's, it'd be really funny if you were part of the show, it would um, be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think she is. I, I love the very, I think the very first parts of Caribbean is one of the great uh, adventure films of all time. And I think she's phenomenal in it. Um, and so the combination of the two means that that's my, uh, my favorite pick of hers.
0: Kev, uh, you've interviewed Jeffrey Rush over the years, haven't you? Yes did you ever ask him his favorite joseph gordon levitt
5: movie
4: no but i did ask him his favorite jackie chan movie which was jeffrey rush hour but (laughs) joseph gordon levitt (laughs)
3: yes (laughs) oh my god that was so great and i
0: hate you
4: (laughs) wait wait wait. this is good wait gabe seems like he already Sean, do yours
0: wait sean wait do yours again Uh, i'm wondering if if kevin when he interviewed jeffrey rush ever asked him his favorite joseph gordon levitt movie (laughs)
6: Um oh, this is really hard. Hold on a second. <laughs> Jeffrey Rush. I'm I'm going to type in the answer and I'll I'll send it to you guys in chat after he reveals. Wait. I'm 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 like going to send it, send it to Sean of... and see if he has it. Jake, has do
4: you it. got it?
3: Oh, good of course I don't have it. What the fuck? Am what? It? Come oh, on, no, no, I'm never you... I'm never good at this. <laughs>
4: no, you're you're good at these. Um, <laughs> can, you, can you give me? Oh wait, Gabe wait. Got it. Uh, Gabe got uh, okay, it. Okay, okay, wait. Uh, can, since because this is, because Gordon Levitt has so many movies and been working since he was but, like But three, this is but
0: this is Jeffrey Rush's favorite though. Can I ask where <laughs> it is? Can I ask
4: where it? Oh my where, god! Oh my god! Career. I, can't do, this. I, I can't do this, this anymore.
0: Middle, in the middle, in the middle of okay. in the middle of
6: uh, Would you say okay. it's right, one of ahead. his uh one of his high caliber films? You would say it's,
0: it's no, at no. a uh No, no. But no you would no, say no. it's of the it's It's a, of a it's of a it, it's Jeffrey Premire rush. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come I on. forgot about Premium Rush. Of course you did. The bicycle, the bicycle yeah, yeah. movie. Oh my oh, god. I god, I hate this show so Gosh. much. Michael That's Shannon's in that
5: movie,
4: too. Re- really funny, yeah, yeah. actually. Uh, Cass, I actually thought it was a pretty good movie, actually, to be honest with you. What's your
0: favorite Keira Knightley movie? <laughs> so this seems like I, an afterthought
4: now. Premium yeah, Rush. <laughs> I have Premium Rush. Um, I also... St- I, I, I went with a film that has Keira Knightley but, and also Vilnai, but it's uh, I went with Love Actually.
0: Oh, nice. Um,
4: I just... First of all, I love that film because it is a to me, it explores all different types of relationships, good, bad. It has happy and sad endings. Um, It has, you know, it but the the part that I always resonated with the most just from an audience perspective was Keira Knightley, Chiwetel Chiofor and Andrew Lincoln's storyline hmm. um and for people who don't remember in the film uh keira knightley is married to or gets married to um to hotel Chiofor and Andrew Lincoln is wait. The have the you ever God liked revert. any
3: of my exes, is like, is this you like low key being like, this is why no, I no really no no
4: no no. I mean it like from an, like, audience, d- avoid an them. emotional perspective. Um, but he's filming the wedding, right? And like all these close ups, and, and she realizes that you know, and then he, and then you have the iconic self
3: preservation thing. Of Lincoln
4: shows up with the cute cards, and to me, you are perfect. Iconic. And- The way Knightley reacts in that scene, her facial expressions, um, she's such a facial... I know it sounds weird, like a facial-driven actress in, in, in terms of like the... There's something she's very, very good at using facial expressions to get emotions across, and I mean, and I, and I know I know that's what acting is, but for some reason her face is very expressive,
5: mm-hmm.
4: um, in a very unique way. No one looks like Karen Knightley that I that I could tell. Um, so uh, yeah, to me that's the ultimate. Like I, I just I love that film. I always I thought, thought she was brilliant in it, and. For for her to stick out amongst that gigantic cast, yep. Um, you know, there's so many people in that film. Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, everybody. Um, that story will has always been the one that I that I loved, or and that probably next to the Martin is it Martin, uh, uh, gentleman who played uh, the Hobbit, Martin. Um, uh, Freeman, Martin Freeman, Martin Freeman. Remember his storyline where he's yeah. like filming that sex yeah. scene in that in that movie, and he falls a in love in. with the girl. He's a stand-in for hey. great. Is, it, great story. is he filming?
3: Okay, I, that's a good. Is he filming a sex scene for a movie, or is he filming a? Is he a? I thought he was a stand-in for porn. Oh no, I thought I thought they were like making a movie together. And it was a love scene. I, I, thought, could, I, thought, maybe, I thought they were stand. Am I wrong?
2: No, oh, okay. one,
3: one I'm fairly I, certain I'm they're sure. stand-ins. My hold-up is whether or not it was a regular movie or whether it was
6: porn. I don't know. All I all I I they're they're definitely on... stand ins. This is great content. Because
3: he talks about, was like, yeah, because he talks about, was like, oh, because he <laughs> says something about how um, he was like, oh, I was a stand in for Brad Pitt on uh, Seven Years in Tibet. You're probably
6: should, more right. I don't we, remember the specific. Should we start a new that. weekly segment? Was that porn? Was that? <laughs> what, was that porn?
4: <laughs> 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 and then you go, Dune? Yes, Dune? it was. <laughs> 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 uh, um, no, but uh, so that's my. Did that's you see my, that uh, work? Uh,
0: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um,
4: uh, but yeah, that's mine. Love, actually.
0: Terrific. Um, I really wanted to go with um, Anna Karenina, which, as Gabe pointed out, I adore. But I couldn't not go with Atonement. Uh, had to pick oh. a Joe Wright movie. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. Joe Wright and Kira Knightley together are are magic. For the
6: record, this was a trick question. This is a trick category. Yeah. The correct answer was atonement, and Sean <laughs> wins this week. So. Hey,
0: uh, hey it's nice. about time. Terrific. five
6: points for Sean.
0: Um it's kind of the movie that everybody I, I think I like, you know, Bennett like Beckham was her first sort of recognizable role, but this is the movie where people started to realize, like, oh wow, she's really, really good. Um and it's such a terrific uh, storyline and that it's a romance where the people can't be together right and they each have to sell their different sides of it uh and the the war that keeps them apart um but also us knowing that the uh secret that separated them uh by that damn uh Cersei <laughs> Ronan 10-year-old Cersei Ronan how dare she uh you know from her jealous heart oh. uh lying and driving driving them apart so you're you're rooting for these characters and then kira as she goes through the journey of of atonement um just sells every emotion you know every complicated emotion that comes with with that movie and it's be- i think it's because of the chemistry that she forges with mcavoy yeah early in the film i was saying
3: in, not a not a good long amount of
0: time i mean a very very short amount of time exactly but they both are fantastic yeah. and make make you believe so heavily in their relationship that you root for it uh through the duration of it and a lot of movies have tried that and haven't necessarily succeeded as well as uh as atonement has and so but listen, I, I said last week that it'd be impossible for me to choose because Keira Knightley is honestly one of my favorite actresses. Um, and I love her uh, diversity. Like, Jake brings up pirates, you know, and uh, and we bring up the period movies of, uh, you know, Atonement or Pride and Prejudice. And, uh, you know, that, that movie she did with Ruffalo, Begin Again, is... Is such Great. a heartwarming, you know, just an inspirational musical film. And I love that she takes the chances that she does. I love that she takes the big swings. And she remains one of my favorite uh, junket interviews of all time. Every time you get her, she's
2: yeah.
0: effortlessly charming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just, you, you realize that that's just who she is. I've yeah. been, been lucky enough to interview her a number of times. That's who she is every Self-deprecating. single time. Uh, yes, exactly. And... Just incredibly sweet and nice and um, thrilled that we got a chance to celebrate her filmography. I hope she continues to make movies for the rest of her life. Uh, Michelle Garrist, Samuel Thomas, and Logan Wilkin joined me in Atonement. Randy Buss went with The Imitation Game. Kimberly Sue, Haley McCoy, and Sam Anderson went with Pride and Prejudice. Brett said Pirates of the Caribbean. David Block went with Kevin and Love Actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Christian Hestus, Cam McKinney, and many more went with, uh, oh, Imitation Game. Back again, and Brandy Wagner said Domino, which I know is a uh, love Domino. Domino. Domino's great. Tony Tony Scott. Scott is that
3: Tony Scott? That was yes. the, his movie after Man on Fire.
4: That's yeah, terrific. and and that was like right when like Tony was getting into that like those extreme edits and those like like Man on Fire is like, you know, yeah, it's awesome. I mean eventually, yeah, he's Tony's got amazing. Like like it's yeah. it's it's, it's the, yeah.
3: the, the style he was flirting with in Man on Fire, and then he was like, screw it and just turned it yeah, up to, to 11. eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna spiral yeah. tap this for
4: yeah. deja vu and out of time and everything. All these yeah. words yeah, wow. I yes,
0: <laughs> Look really at did. you and
4: me, we and
3: us.
0: All right. Uh thank you everybody for participating in this week's game. We are going to uh, uh, by putting a little bit of, um, what do you, what do you put it? We're putting out into the world, uh, some, some stardust, uh, and trying to will, will some things into, into existence by playing, uh, hashtag Janusz Kaminski blend uh, on the show next week. So, uh, Kev, have a good time with that one.
4: No, and, I'm, uh, I'm off. Uh, I'm off next week. I can't <laughs> choose I can't choose a Kaminski Favorite. I mean, yeah. God. especially after what I just watched in West Side Story, like this yeah. guy is on a different. Oh level yeah,
3: that's a good. Are year. you gonna be able to see Sean? Are you gonna be able to see West Side Story before picking? No, I I only asked just because that's a very viable answer. Well,
0: I'll, I will I say that Sean,
4: Sean has seen the best shot in the movie though.
0: Yeah, the shadows.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah the which is just
0: I loved his explanation, explanation for the shadows. Actually, oh
3: wasn't that crazy. If you brilliant. have not seen Kevin McCarthy's interview with Steven Spielberg, it uh, you'll but find it
0: on over YouTube. Kaminsky's filmography yeah. like it's Limit. it's ridiculous. Limit. Limit.
4: Limit. Limit. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, Minority uh. Report. Well, you don't have to do it uh. right now. <laughs> I mean, we're <laughs> I'm
0: saying independently,
4: Saving Private Ryan, the shutter speed Schindler's <laughs> List.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell, he 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 throws out Minority report just like for the hell of it. Like okay, just... all, right, all right. Here's a here's a here's a thing. IMDb game. What are
3: the four movies that Kaminsky are, is named?
4: Oh, uh, that's funny. Um, if I'm you gonna... don't know the
3: IMDb game, if you don't listen to our uh, premium episodes, let, hold on, let me let me explain the IMDb game. It's you know if you look up someone on IMDb, you have all their filmographies, but they always pick four titles. Yeah. Oftentimes at random that say this person is known for these four things. And oftentimes there's absolutely no rhyme or reason as to why it's those four things. And we play a really fun IMDb game um,
6: not uh, fun. On, and the premium It's fun at all. It is
3: fun. Uh, it's fun if you win. Um, this is a perfect and,
6: ad for this week's game. Yes, yeah. and, and so we did it this it week. Is, so we're playing have a, we have a, it this yeah, week. Yeah, we have, yes. we're playing it this week, this upcoming
3: Monday. It's a great game. Um, someone like Kaminsky, an endless <laughs> amount of films to choose from. So here's a little teaser of it. I'm going to host this. And Gabe, you have to play. Oh, okay. Um, what
0: are the four Kaminsky films I'll, I'm gonna go first I'm gonna say Bridge of Spies uh, War Horse Catch Me If You Can and Minority Report I'm not okay. even sure if you directed Catch Me If You Can
6: Kev you go because he, uh, I think TV. I glanced at this earlier and I think I have some of them on the brain already
4: alright I'll go Lincoln Lincoln Lawyer I love Lincoln Lawyer That's a Lincoln great Commercials <laughs> Lincoln Abraham <laughs> Lincoln, um, Lincoln
0: Vampire Hunter
4: Oh yeah, uh <laughs> man, this is tough. Because, because again, like Jake explains, it's never the movies you think it yeah, is. It's ever. always a weird like yeah. uh, one of the uh, a teaser for our our uh, um our show that's coming out coming out Monday, our premium episode. We did we did one with uh Ivan Reitman, and I don't think any of his yeah. directing credits we, were there. Because it apparently he produced <laughs> "Stopper." My mom will shoot. Yeah, all right, Kevin, all right, three all right, so, more. All right, Lincoln. Uh da, 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 da. I'm gonna go Munich. That's a good one. Saving Private Ryan and Minority Report. Gabe, you wanna cheat?
6: I think I think I saw some of these, but I didn't look at the whole thing. Um Warhorse, Saving Private Ryan, um Schindler's List, and then I feel like they threw a modern one on there, like the post.
3: Oh, this um, Gabe proves that if you look in advance it helps you in the game because he wins. Nice. Um the top four films that apparently he is quote unquote known for. Warhorse, mm-hmm. Schindler's List. Of course. Minority Report. Thank you. And Saving Private Ryan. Nice. War Horse, oh, so, I feel like I
6: saw War Horse out of the corner of my eye That was the one I was for sure was on there. Yeah, the
3: the post should be on there.
6: Well,
0: one on, when the there's newspapers
3: a- are flying. Oh, my God. There's a, a lot post. of movies that should if be If you'd on like there. to hear
6: more where that came from.
0: Yeah, so our next premium episode is going to be the IMDb game. So, if you gain, again, if you want to gain access to this and all the episodes of Real Blend Premium, there you is a link
2: like in movies.
0: the description. Uh, I also want to mention, if, uh, if you want to leave a review for the show, head on over to uh, Apple Podcasts. And posting a review there helps us grow the show. Yes. Uh, and alerts more people to the fact that we're out here. And while you're doing that review, also, uh, recommend us to a uh, movie-loving friend who you think would appreciate the show and our interviews and our very fun segments. Yes, Jake Hamilton.
3: I would like to pull a Tony Romo and no longer play and just host games. Interesting.
6: Gabe? Okay. A Tony Romo. Well, Tony Romo never won, though. So there's that. I don't know if you qualify. I oh, would point. like to
3: pull a Peyton Manning there you <laughs> go. and no longer play. Even, and like even
6: I knew that. Was, I might Manning let you. I might let you host a couple. I might let you. I like the sound Jake of it. Jake is yeah. more the
0: Jake is more the Tom Brady of the. How disappointed games are Kevin play? and Sean going to be if I if I just start? <laughs> well,
4: the beauty of this game is that there's it's just guessing. Like it's like there's like that's the whole thing. It's like yes. it's like. But it is strategic because you have to yeah. guess. We you have to guess strangely. Yeah. That's, sometimes, that's, that's the reality, the sometimes the reality.
0: Sometimes the reality of the game is literally just four titles I can think of with yeah. this person. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, do him. you guys ever
3: just go, "What did I interview this person for?" Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, I do do that. All right, well, you can get that at premium. So go find out where you can do that. And in the meantime, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovac, and at Real Blend. We'll talk to you guys next week. What are we shouting now? Uh, let's do Minority Report. Okay, Minority Report! Saving proper
1: Ryan. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership,